Because I can control the weather, they call me Storm. Welcome to This Week in Nerd News, your one-stop shop for all of the pop culture you may have missed this week. Brought to you by the Black Nerd Problems Broadcasting Network. I'm your host, Victoria Vertine. And I am your host, Mikkel Snyder. Alright, so, Mikkel, you're starting us off with segment one. Mm-hmm. I still don't quite know what's happening, but I gather that you have a pop culture-themed game that we are doing. Well, we're not we're not playing Mad Libs, although I desperately want to play Mad Libs at some point with news headlines. No. So one of my favorite TikToks is this affectionate parody of, like, the Fast and Furious franchise, where a writer does, like, a Mad Libs-style riff in order to, like, pitch the plot to the next sequel. Gotcha. So it goes sort of like, I want a famous wrestler, a character who died in a previous film beat, <laughs> and then, like, a vehicle, and then, like, you know, that. Gotcha, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I get it. Makes sense. Yeah. And then sometimes reality likes to play Mad Libs with things. And then, like, the news headlines are just sort of like, what exactly did I read here? How did we get here? Why am I still interested in this? I'm not not sure. So, this may or may not become a recurring segment in the future, but I wanted to play a game of these are actual news headlines and not Mad Libs. So I, I picked three, three of the sort of like, huh, that's a sentence that I have never read before and never thought I would read. So you ready? I have three. I'm ready. Cool. So HGTV is actively developing an animated spinoff series for the Property Brothers titled Builder Brothers Dream Factory, which will follow Drew and Jonathan Scott as eight-year-old boys trying to solve neighborhood problems. So two, Zoe Kravitz to make directorial debut on Pussy Island, Channing Tatum playing tech billionaire with Mysterious Tropical Island, as reported by Deadline. And then finally, uh, we have Twist, an upcoming action-fueled crime thriller inspired by the Charles Dickens iconic novel Oliver Twist, uh, starring Michael Caine, Rita Ora, Nora Clark, Sophie Simmet, Jason Mazza, Franz Drama, David Williams, Lena Headley, and Raph Long. So those are my Mad Libs, but actually news headlines. Yeah, they're good. And I appreciate, well, I highly appreciate that you gave us like numbers so that we could keep track. I also think that in this particular context, just like saying them all together and not breaking up <laughs> where they go would also be entertaining. Maybe for Because these time. are all ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, the Property Brothers, right? You gotta respect that hustle, though. Mm -hmm. The grind of the Property Brothers is insane. Like, I feel like they got one show. They probably didn't even get a show. They probably were, like, featured as, like, friends of on another show, like, 15 (laughs) years ago. And now they're just woven into the fabric of our beings. You don't even have to watch HDTV. You know who these people are. They have, like, mobile games. I think they have, like, a real game on a console. Like, they've just got everything. So I have to respect that hustle. I have no idea 
what HGTV is thinking about and hosting this on their channel. Like, that's not what we go to HGTV for. What? Who is plopping their child down and then like, <laughs> okay, now help mommy pick out tile. Like, I feel like this is not a thing that needs to be housed there, but maybe they'll do it on a sister channel. I don't know. It, it just, I have to respect. I have to respect the hustle. I have so, no idea what Zoe Kravitz is doing. <laughs> I never Zoe know. Zoe Kravitz wants to direct Channing Tatum, and that, that's all we need to know. <sighs> it could be amazing. This could be... This could be like a dark horse, amazing movie. Or... It could be like Tenet, and you just have no idea what's going on the entire time, and there are a ton of plot holes. I actually am kind of excited for Twist. It looks fun. It reminds me of Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. I feel like that's how it's gonna how it's gonna be, and I'm just always here for Michael Caine. Yeah. Especially in some kind of historical dress, like he just sells it, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm kind of excited for Twist, but yes, I I very much appreciate the ridiculousness of the headlines for all of these things. So I just I want to cycle back to like the what is HTV making this animated series for, right? Because like that's a sentence that we've had to like reckon with, and then like here, here's another fun fact that was brought to my attention by a friend of mine, right? So. The Netflix has uh, the Big Flower Show, which is a gardening mm-hmm. competition, mm-hmm. and then there's now Big Bloom on HBO Max, which is also a gardening yeah. competition. And apparently Paramount Plus also has a gardening competition that's going on right now. You know who doesn't have a gardening competition, despite all of the gardening shows being hot right now? HGTV uh-huh. does not have a competitive gardening show. And Isn't that, just that feels... what the G is for? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Home gardening okay. TV channel, and yet, and yet, Netflix, HBO Max, and Paramount Plus are eating this this slice of of pie that should be HGTV's, but is just mysteriously not. I mm. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. It's it's a lot. Um, but yeah, no, the twist trailer, I was sort of like, what the hell is this? And then, like, I watched it, and so, like, this looks fun. It looks campy. It looks ridiculous. Um, I thought it was a Christopher Nolan project because I just associate <laughs> him and Michael Caine so closely together nowadays yeah, yeah. that, like, it's hard to, like, parse that. But, like, yeah, no, like, they, it was a good soundtrack that they did for the trailer. It looked enjoyable. <coughs> Like, I have a personal fascination with, like, graffiti culture, which is, you know, at odds with the fact that, like, Oliver Twist is still a white man, but, like, you know, we do what we can in the context of things. It's London, modern times, so, like, it makes sense contextually, I guess, but, uh, yeah, no, like, it's just, what a sentence, right? Like, an action-fueled crime thriller inspired by Charles Dickens. I feel like Charles Dickens would have loved it. I feel like he, he would have been like, yes, this is what I need. I always think of that whenever people do... Usually it's Jane Austen movies, just because there's always, like, 
more Jane Austen movies than there are months in a year. And I always think, like, what would Jane Austen think of these movies? And usually I feel like she would be genuinely horrified. <laughs> um, but I feel like Charles Dickens would be like, yeah, I get it. <laughs> so that was this episode's Mad Lips news headlines. <laughs> we'll, we'll develop this segment in the future, depending yeah, on how, I like reality, this. how reality handles reality. So what do you have for us this week? So I have more history stuff. Is this really shocking? By the way, we are recording this on Juneteenth, so y'all won't hear this on Juneteenth, but there was a very nice historical documentary project that came up, and I just felt like it fit with the day, so that's what we're going with. Um, It is called The Summer of Soul, A Quest Love John, which... I have to just chef's kiss that Questlove is throwing in a little, like, nod to Spike Lee there. With, you know, you always get, like, it's a Spike Lee joint, and this is a Questlove John. And so I am here for that. And I also am really here for the subtitle, because when you just see A Summer of Soul... And everything is kind of that late 60s, 70s theme when you watch the trailer and you watch, um, and you just see kind of like the, the posters for it. And you get this idea of like, this is about a music festival, right? That's very clear. But the subtitle, the subtitle really tells you what this is actually really all about. And so the subtitle is, or when the revolution could not be televised. And I just love that. It just really speaks to my soul, actually. And so this is, it is a documentary about the Harlem Culture Festival, which was held in 1969. So, yes, Woodstock, sure. There was a black music festival that was just over the top. And we don't know about that, shocker. So the Harlem Culture Festival was held in what is now Marcus Garvey Park over a six-week period. So every weekend for six weeks, they had these massive stages, massive lineups of just amazing black performers. And so some of the uh, performances that we'll be seeing in this from the Harlem Culture Festival are Stevie Wonder, Nina Simone, Sly and the Family Stone, Gladys Knight and the Pips, Mahalia Jackson, B.B. King, The Fifth Dimension, and apparently even more. And so that brings me to, like, what is this documentary actually made of? So apparently, in 1969, they knew this was a big thing. They filmed over 40 hours of content of this thing, and... It was not shown on any television station. It was not picked up by any form of media and has still not been shown until this movie. And so Questlove went back through all of that footage, put it together, cut it together. It does also seem like we're going to be getting a few interviews from people who were there in the trailer. Gladys Knight was definitely kind of in that interview mode talking about 
what had happened at the festival, the feelings, the culture, the the power of it all. And so I'm hoping that we get a few more. And that is also like 1969. Like we know people who were there. Like this is living history. And I love that in that there are so many times that things in black history don't come to the forefront until you know there's only one or two people left to really speak on them and so getting this now when there are still people that we can talk about when we can really dive into this and really give it the 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 love that it deserved in 1969 I think is awesome and I'm super excited it comes out July 2nd uh, on Hulu. It also is going to be in theaters in some places. I'm pretty sure that's for like film festivals and stuff, but I do appreciate that they are going to give it a theater release in some places. But for everybody else, as normal folks, it will be on Hulu on July 2nd. So yeah, that's what I got. I wish I knew more about musical history, just like generically, right? Because yeah. it's because, like, musical history runs parallel with everything else going on in life. And it often gets, like, brushed aside in a lot of ways because, like, it's sort of like, oh, what can we learn from music? It's sort of like we can learn everything from music because the music that is being produced during this era is a direct response to the things happening in this era. And it's 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 a gap in my personal knowledge that will just sort of like I don't I don't know like the causality of music in a way that like I necessarily would like like to be knowledgeable about. So like documentaries like this are always always a cool thing to hear about because like it can help illuminate that connection, right? And just like the context of it being made is also really cool, right? Because like they. They have the foresight to document all of us way back when, and just we just never saw any of the footage. And that's a wild thing to think about. This was like there was just film reel and stock that just had these like groundbreaking performances that just have not been seen before. And now we get to see them because somebody said so. Like this is important enough to like fully like vest and get into the public eye which is really cool so like shout out the quest love for doing doing cool work like this and yeah and like again also really cool to see like theaters opening up again and like be able to watch spectacle on a big screen is is like a really big deal in a lot of ways because there is something about being in a communal space watching something grand and full that is that is still really cool so this is this is really exciting the subtitle is just fantastic as well agreed let's take a break before we bite into the big ticket item for the week all right Alright, so, uh, growing up, the Electronic Entertainment Expo, more commonly referred to as e was always presented as the peak of the gaming news cycle, and while I didn't necessarily pay much attention to it when it first started in 1995, largely because I was four, uh, many days in middle school and high school were spent eagerly awaiting the coverage of the spectacle, which is going to be a word that I use a lot right now. 
and I remember how E3 announced that it was gonna like downsize this gigantic proof and its attendances in 2007 and so like oh I really wish I could have gotten to go to E3 when it was like this big sprawling convention type circuit and again how in 2009 they sort of like okay we get that some of y'all missed the spectacle, so we are going to expand it out again, and we're going to set the groundwork for E3 to be an event for, like, the larger masses, and, like, over the next couple years, and, like, the early 2010s, like, E3 made steps, and sort of, like, with the advent of social media, we're going to get more people engaged with this, it's not just going to be for the game devs, it's not going to be just for the media specialists, it's going to be something a little bit more open, right? So, uh, 2020 sort of saw a shift in how the expo was sort of, like, gonna have to be, like, oriented in, like, the grander scheme of things, because Sony announced that it was, they weren't gonna be attending the showcase that year, which is, like, it's Sony, it's one of the big free gaming companies, like, that's kind of disconcerting for a lot of reasons, right? And then Jeff Nigley, who had, like, covered the event for, like, the entirety of his career, also said, so, like, you know what, I'm also not gonna attend, I'm not sure I like the exact direction that the show is going anymore. And both of these incidents, of course, preceded the, you guessed it, current pandemic that the U.S. is slowly recouping from. And eventually, E3 2020 became sort of like, we can't, we can't do this. And then this past week was the digital iteration of E3, which was the electronic entertainment experience, as it was branded, where you could get on a mobile app and participate in a variety of the streams and see a bunch of announcements live via this app. Or, if you didn't, today will be my brief highlight reel of E3, uh, because, you know, I love video games, even though... I don't always have time to play all of the video games when I play, like, two at most. Anyway. Free time anyways. is overrated, Mikkel. Who needs That's free true. time? I don't need free time. I don't need sleep. I just need, just need Destiny 2. <laughs> Wait, no. Sorry. Okay, we'll, we'll get back on track. So, <laughs> these these are the highlight reels from, from some of the different coverage announcements. There's a lot of stuff that happened this week in terms of, like, gaming news. So, these are just, like, the big bullet points that stand out in my memory. So, the blockbuster hit you may remember as Fern Gully in Space, Avatar, is getting a video game adaptation from Ubisoft because, of course, we wanted a video game companion to this movie that we all saw in IMAX 3D. And I could tell you none of the characters' names outside of maybe Jake Sully. And even then, I'm not even sure that's a real name from that movie. I just don't. Uh, we saw some behind-the-scenes of Gearbox's Borderlands movie. Uh, this precedes a couple weeks ago when we saw a black-and-white still image of the Borderlands movie, which is a decision given the Borderlands' uh, identity as a colorful, private world and who does a black and white promo image for Borderlands? It just sounds weird saying. Anyways, anyways, staying on track. Uh, Xbox and Bethesda probably had one of the bigger showings of the new cycle, as they flexed a bunch of new exciting content that will be available on the Games Pass, which is quickly becoming literally the best deal in like gaming, just monetary rise, because like you pay like a pittance in like a monetary fee. And you get access to one of the most comprehensive libraries in existence when it comes to games. 
and there is something for everyone and they constantly add to it and it like helps the developer like it is baffling how good the games pass is like how is this sustainable and it's sustainable because people are buying it which is forever perpetuating it but a bunch of new additions to the game pass shout out to hades uh which was my game of the year last year uh which was on Steam and Switch beforehand, and now it's coming to Xbox and PlayStation, so shout out to Supergiant for that. And then, additionally, Xbox did the whole, like, Halo Infinite reveal 2.0, so a bunch of Halo heads are really excited about that. And then, since Xbox acquired Bethesda, they also showed off some of Bethesda's new work, uh, including Stallfield and Redfall, both which look like great sci-fi and uh, fantasy entries to to the gaming sphere. Love Bethesda. Always excited for that. Uh, Square Enix also had a Guardian of the Galaxy single-player game where you play as Starlord in a famous uh, franchise that features an ensemble cast of great characters, including a talking tree and a talking raccoon. And you get to play as the one white dude. Uh, we have an article on the Black Nerd Problems website that you'll be able to read very shortly. Uh, Black Panthers is coming to the Avengers game you have probably forgotten about. But there definitely is an Avengers game that will have a Black Panther expansion coming out. So, like, that's cool. And, like, in actual, like, really exciting news, uh, Life is Strange is coming to the Switch. Life is Strange is a great uh, franchise, and I love this series, and I'm excited to play more of it. And finally, wrapping up from the big announcements, Nintendo was being Nintendo by just, like, here is content, eat it, feast. So we got a new Smash Fighter, uh, Kazuyu Mishima from Tekken. After two, nearly two decades, we finally got news of a new Metroid game, Metroid Dread, which is a sentence so many of us just never expected to hear because it felt like for the longest time that like Nintendo had just forgotten about the franchise and was just never going to do anything. And then when we saw Samus on the ship getting chased by robots, it was like, oh, oh, they are feeding us today. We feast. We feast. So, uh, shout out to Chris Aiken, one of our editors who's been holding vigil for a new Metroid game for longer than any of us have. And then, finally, wrapping it up, they Nintendo also teased uh, more sequel footage for Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. We still know nothing about this game, other than the fact that it definitely will exist at some point. Uh, so, But Breath of the Wild was a fan favorite for a lot of people. I struggle with open world games so I never finish it but like I definitely understand the appeal of it so I'm excited for the people who are excited about it so uh, I will wrap up the segment by saying like sort of like good on E3 for continuing to push through with this event it's hard to do digital organization in any capacity and shout out to all of the companies out there continuing to try to do development work uh, I will say that the experience was not, like, the most user-friendly thing working on this phone app or website, but, like, what can you do sometimes, right? Uh, and a lot of this news is really exciting, but also not necessarily marketed to my particular demographic of gaming, which by that I mean, like, I'm a Destiny 2 enthusiast and I play a lot of roguelikes on my Switch. But... Uh, out of everything I hit listed here, I will say, like, Redfall looked really cool from its cinematic trailer, and it's a new Metroid game. Like, come on. Like, 
give me that. And there's a robot antagonist, I'm in. I'm sold. I will buy that. And I will try to play it. (laughs) And as always, obviously we can't get to everything, but I thought this was a really good highlight reel. I also... It makes sense for E3 to be virtual, right? Or at least hybrid. And I feel like in future they'll go forward with some kind of hybrid version of there will be a smaller convention, in-person convention, and hopefully a better app, right? Because it kind of makes sense for E3. But it is tough. There's a lot of moving pieces. So yeah, good on them for pushing forward. All of the things that are spacey and sci-fi kind of appeal to me. I find it hilarious that there is an Avatar game, um, given that we still have four installments of movies that are supposedly greenlit-funded and being produced. No idea where that that's at. That's is that still a thing? We still yeah. gonna get those? <laughs> It's on the Wikipedia page, like, yeah. so Avatar Free and Four is supposed to come out in, like, 2022? Because, mm-hmm. you know, we desperately wanted more of Pandora. Um, mm-hmm. 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 But if you really want more of Pandora, you should watch the Borderlands movie, because that is also the name <laughs> of the planet in Borderlands. I mean, but y'all know how I feel about Borderlands and the Borderlands movie. We'll see what happens. I do appreciate, we had gotten the Jamie Lee Curtis casting, but I I either missed it or didn't quite connect that she was going to be playing Dr. Tannis, which I think is actually a great cast. I have not said that about any other casting <laughs> in this movie. But I think that Jamie Lee Curtis as Tannis is actually super cool. Uh, I am apparently a Halo head. I did not realize that that is what we were called, but I love Halo, so I'm excited about that. And Maybe it's not. Maybe I just made that up. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it's possible. I'll take it. Um, Redfall is maybe a little too scary for me. However, <laughs> Starfield is something that I've been looking forward to for a while. Just Bethesda getting into the space game, right? It's a, it's a really competitive field out there. Mm-hmm. And that the problem generally with kind of semi-open world space games is just that there's too much to render. The universe is too big, right? Like it's too big to actually render to any level of detail. So you either get tiny, tiny spaces with lots of really good detail and then promises of like, we'll do this with the whole world or everything is a little bit less detailed. So I kind of want to see how they navigate that. Um, See if we get those long loading screens again, but I'm excited for that. Marvel stuff is Marvel stuff and therefore I guess good. I'm also kind of excited about the new Metroid, although it also looks like maybe maybe something that I should not play but should watch <laughs> someone else play. <laughs> I mean, that's probably going to be how I experience the majority of it because I will definitely buy it and I will definitely play a little of it, but <laughs> my attention span is variable to say the least these days. So Fair. Shall we move on to yet another lightning round to close out the episode? Let's do it. 
because there is just so much news that can happen in a single week. We we have this patented lightning round where we do a bullet list of even more highlighted news that we want to make sure that like you're just in the know about, just like generally, just so you can be excited about these things, because they are things that you should be excited for. So, Hiroyuki Sonata has been cast in John Wick 4, and just yes, yes please, good job, excellent. Netflix released a cast announcement, trailer, and release date for the animated fantasy musical Center World, where a warhorse gets teleported to a world of weird half-animal, half-horse denizens, and shenanigans ensue. That's coming out on July 30th, and Victoria's nodding her head vigorously or shaking her head, because it's side-to-side. I'm excited for this. It's gonna be bizarre. It is targeted directly towards me. Love it. <laughs> Additionally, Netflix also announced a trailer and released it for the epic conclusion of Guillermo del Toro's Tales of Arcadia coming out on July 21st. That's going to be really good. Uh, segwaying into the musical theater tangent that I've apparently found myself on, Apple TV Plus's Central Park Season 2 releases next week on June 25th, and that's just going to be fun. I'm excited. The trailer looks like more Central Park, so yes. Uh, Adult Swim gave us an update on the production of Uzumaki, an Akanakora manga that is uh, by the master Junji Ito himself. This is the anime adaptation that's been works for a very long time, and it will be haunting all of our nightmares and dreams starting in October 2022, so looking forward to that. And then wrapping up, these are some of the actors getting stars on the Hollywood Walk of Fame in 2022, and it is a very, very, like, cool list of people. So we got Carrie Fisher, William Defoe, Salma Hayek, Michael B. Jordan, Regina King, Ewan McGregor, Jason Momoa, Tessa Thompson, Ricky Gervais, Macaulay Culkin, Bob Odenkirk, Ming-Na Wen, and Kenan Thompson. What a list of people getting stars. So, uh, if you'd like to hear our thoughts on these topics or anything else in their news, feel free to tweet us at BlackNerdProblems with the hashtag TWINN. That was this week in Nerd News. Tune in next week for more pop culture. I'm your host, Mikkel Snyder. And I'm your host, Victoria Bertine. And if you like listening to us talk about a wide variety of pop culture news, please remember to like, comment, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll catch you next week. <laughs>